You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, we're going to get to all the latest uh, into the Gerald McCoy news as we sit down here uh, about 20 after 9 on Tuesday night. So, obviously, that's the latest we will have for you. Uh, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Uh, do not hate like your friend's uh, trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, you know, always want to remember, guys, uh, always if you're looking for a new podcasting app, uh, be sure to check out Himalaya, the personally curated playlist made just for you by our expert podcast t- taste maskers. Like I said, guys, kind of like Tebow. You know, they kind of get your gif for you know, what you feel, and they go with that. Um, like and comment. Listeners can like, thumbs up, most com- and comment on individual episodes. Um, find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. And don't forget to follow Locked On Browns once you were there. Uh, Pete Smith, uh, where we're at now, uh, Gerald McCoy is in Baltimore. Uh, it looks like he will stay over. Um, hopefully he'll be able to catch an OTA tomorrow, Pete, so he can actually see one quarterback versus the other. That would probably be a a pretty good benefit for the Cleveland Browns. But, uh, you know, here we are. It's, you know, the Gerald McCoy watch. Look, there's other teams that can offer more money. The Browns keep coming out and, you know, whether they're leaking it or it's known that, you know, they have a certain price in mind, but they're certainly in it. Um, the dialogue, dialogue, I reached out this morning and asked, you know, where is it 72 hours since, you know, obviously they had met with Gerald McCoy last. They said nothing had really changed and they'd still had been keeping in touch uh, you know, so still, Pete, we're just sitting and playing this, you know, basically, you know, playing the hand, and you know, it's obviously a long hand at this point. Uh, so he got in there in the afternoon uh, and basically stayed, you know, through dinner. Presumably, he's going to stay in a hotel and then leave tomorrow. There's no there. There was a report that he might be going to visit another team, but they haven't made it clear. Suggests that there might be just one more visit. Uh, but I think. With this, it's basically, you know, he'll visit until he feels like he's done uh, and made a decision. But, you know, all, all the indications so far are that, you know, the, the word great is being thrown around, which is the same word which was thrown around when the Browns had their visit. So I don't know that you can really read into anything uh, based on, you know, reports or the idea that he's going to eat food. Um, but... I don't, know about the, I don't know about the vegan selection either in Baltimore, so good luck with all that. I hope he, if he eats seafood, you're all right, but uh, I don't know what you're going to do with him otherwise. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, there's really no meaningful information. It's basically just furthering the story, except nothing's really furthering the story. It's basically just saying, he did this, we still don't know anything, which would be the honest take of things. Nobody really knows, and it's ultimately, get, you know, th- this will take as long as Joe McCoy feels like it. And, you know, this is one of those where you can say, you know, sources, Gerald McCoy will sign, you know, any, as as early as today, which is, you know, completely meaningless, though sounds good. Yeah, and you, like, as you said, uh, you know, great. Uh, it seems everything that went on in Cleveland, I mean, all, you just take out Browns and substitute Ravens, and it seems that's where we're at. Um, yeah, we're already seeing some of this. Some people, oh, pull the offer, you know, or, you know, oh, or, or he's not that good, or why, why would he do this? Or Look, guys, I mean, the guy's going to make the decision that he feels is best for him and his family. If it turns out to be Cleveland, that's fantastic. Um, if it's because somebody else offered more money and he went for the money, there's nothing he can do about that. 
it, it's just the way it goes. But Pete, with the with the beat and the writers here, we're starting to hit some sort of just absolute insanity with it. Um, and first things first, everybody in the Dayton area, uh, God bless you. Uh, it, it, terrible, catastrophic. Uh, everybody thinking of you. It's 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 a tough thing to deal with. Uh, and you know, God bless you all, and wish everybody nothing but the best. But you know, when you start writing things of you know, well, signing Gerald McCoy is going to call you cost you Denzel Ward down the line. I, there's no way that's possible, Pete. It's just it, it's it's just right. It's saying something, writing something for the sake of somebody to be like, oh well, how could that be possible? So yeah, it was on Ken Carmen's show with Anthony Lima, and Anthony Lima basically just relayed a conversation that he says he had with an NFL some some member of NFL personnel uh, over Memorial Day weekend and basically the idea was that uh, if the Browns were to sign Gerald McCoy that it would cost you know that it would basically prevent them from signing Denzel Ward uh, which you can say that and there you know if you, you you can can look at it and go you know this thing happened, so this thing happened, and go, technically, this is true, but you can make the same statement with any number of players, not uh, limited to uh, Jarvis Landry, TJ Carey, Chris Hubbard, uh, as guys that basically, if they sit on their contract, Chris Kirksey is another one, if they sit on this contract for the length of the deal, it would prevent them from signing Denzel Ward. Okay, I mean, that's that's technically true. The problem is that that there's a number of issues. First, that assumes that you know what uh, Gerald McCoy is being offered, which I guess theoretically the, the person he was talking to could. Uh, seems unlikely. But the problem with that is that right now everything is being based on the idea that, you know, that teams don't want to be connected to contracts without some sort of out or end at the 2021 collective bargaining agreement. And that because if the the CBA is renegotiated and completed, which is itself a big question mark and the bigger question mark as it comes to anything Browns is that in that scenario and that's done, it may change how contracts sort of work in terms of how things are paid or what you can do and all that stuff. So teams are sort of protecting themselves from that side. Agents are protecting their players from that side. Uh, You know, and, and as much as this may be, Gerald McCoy's one last, you know, big deal. It's unlikely to be a four-year deal, which is where this would really become a problem. I mean, you're paying him in a year thirteen? No, no, no. He's not going to get that contract anywhere. Right. So, you know, again, this gets to the idea of what does the cap really say? And you know, the the short version is the Browns have thirty-three point three million in cap room. The problem with that is it's all rollover cap, and that's where things get fishy because, you know, what that means is if the Browns signed Gerald McCoy for multiple years, so they would, that would go against that rollover cap for the amount they'd be paying him this year plus the amount they would go against him next year. So if they sign him for a one-year deal, uh, it will only affect the 2020 cap from that standpoint. If they sign him to a multiple-year deal, I, I'm, I'm hope the ideal to me would be two or three, with three being money he's never going to actually see. That 
then it all comes out. So the base example would be if if you took if you signed for ten million dollars for a one year deal, the Browns would roll over that twenty three and change over to uh, twenty twenty. If they signed him to a multiple year deal, still using that ten million dollar figure, it'd be the ten million of twenty nineteen, the ten million of twenty twenty, and that would all come out of that roller ca- rollover cap. So you'd go from thirty three and change to thirteen and change. That is the impact, and that would impact the short term in 2020. In other words, the free agents that are coming off that, that would potentially impact decisions on Greg Robinson, who I believe is going to be gone anyway, going to impact Demarius Randall, Joe Schobert, and J.C. Trader. Those are all guys, at least for the moment, who are scheduled to be free agents. Uh, there may be somebody else that I'm leaving out, but those are the biggest ones in terms of cap figures and prominence in terms of plans. Now, the Browns have about seven players they could theoretically release to ease the cap burden, uh, which are headlined by Jarvis Landry, Chris Kirksey, uh, Chris Hubbard, TJ Carey, uh, Chris Smith, Duke Johnson, and uh, Britton Colquitt. That if you cut them all, it would come up to about $38.5 million. But obviously, you not may not cut them all, but you can piecemeal your way. So you can create cap space enough to cover McCoy and still sign, you know, more likely than not two Schobert and Treader would be my hopes, but they may like Randall more than I do and may dislike one of the other two more than I do. But that is where the impact goes. If you're trying to then carry that over to say, well, this is going to impact Denzel Ward, you're basically saying that, you know, any contract would impact as a word that goes over for any length of time. So in that scenario, you can make the same statement about anything. Any player on the books would impact ends of words. So you can say the statement that, you know, uh, Joel Petonio's contract, Joel Petonio now means no Denzel Ward later. And you're just as safe to say that and be as right. The issues that are going to come up with Denzel Ward are the collective bargaining agreement, Miles Garrett, and Baker Mayfield. Those are the biggest three things that are going to affect Denzel Ward's future in Cleveland. It's not going to be Daryl McCoy. That doesn't mean it would have no impact. It just means that they would have to sort of manage their books badly enough that they don't take care of anything, let everything ball up, have no cap room by the time they get to 2021, after the 2021 season, and basically say, well, we've screwed up and now we can't afford to pay him. So, you know, in that sense, you know, he's wrong. Having said that, he's relaying something that was heard in conversation and it made it for radio content in the same way that you or I could say, you know, we heard something and go half, sort of cat half cocked, ultimately correct ourselves later and then, you know, or have somebody else come back and correct ourselves later. But be wrong in that moment and, and be able to go, you know, jump on it and, and say, gotcha. And, and I don't know that he intends to mis, be mis, you know, misleading. He, I, I don't I think the cap is complicated enough. I don't think he fancies himself any kind of cap expert where he's basically saying something he heard and not really knowing the details. Uh, obviously, I wrote this up at Bronze Maven. Uh, there are all the numbers there. Uh, trying to help people get an understanding of you know, whether or not they saw McCoy to give you a sense of where the Browns are with the cap right now and what any decision would make on it. And the hope is that that makes more sense on it. But between that and the other stuff going on there, I really hope that's more useful than saying sources. Browns hopeful they will sign Jared McCoy. 
their sources, common sense, and I need to write something today. Yeah, there's, that's exactly it. Um, guys, and here's the other thing. Um, we're three years away from discussing Denzel Ward's future contract, whether he gets the fifth-year option. It, it's, it's just way, way too infantile and way too early in the process to even take that information. And even, Pete, if you look at the bare bones of it, it's like, well, Denzel Ward's extension would be three years away. You know, when he's going into year five, it's way premature. And like you said, it, it's A, it's a way to find 10 to 15 minutes of airtime. And it's in a way to put words on the internet that people are going to read because you met with Gerald McCoy on Friday. And here it is now late Tuesday. And essentially nothing's changed. Um, the other visits with Gerald McCoy, uh, New Orleans and the proximity to his home in Florida, it's key. It's appealing. Uh, Cleveland can't offer that. Baltimore can't offer that. Eh, they kind of can. It's not that far. Uh, Indianapolis can't offer that. Um, Indianapolis, look, if it's something he's considering, they can probably pretty much just smoke everybody in this process, Indianapolis. New Orleans, it's more of the proven thing. Uh, they were in the NFC Championship game last year. So, you know, it's it's one of those patience grasshoppers, sit back and wait, you know, hurry up and wait, that type of thing. But, look, you know, I, uh, you know, you still want the player. Uh, look, if he ends up going somewhere else, let's hope it's not Baltimore. Uh, that would be my one thing. And, you know, Indianapolis, look, if you, that's what it's going to take to get you through a playoff game and you're going to have to beat him with Gerald McCoy, go ahead and beat him. Uh, if it's Baltimore, you don't really want to face him two times a year. If it's the Saints, it wouldn't matter unless it was a Super Bowl. So there is all of that. And um, the folks over at Untuck It, um, dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like, uh, like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, barbecues, sporting events, standing on the sidelines, coaching, whatever. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL to get 20% off. Uh, Father's Day's coming. Have yourself some sort of gift. I'm sure your dad's done enough for you. You better be able to repay with something, guys. Pete, you wrote the article today, um, and this would have been one if it was a year ago or two years ago. Write me up a piece of the top ten Browns players, and it would have been, do I have to? (laughs) Can I do five? Now it's, how do I squeeze in just ten? And, you know, without giving away the the meat of it, um, I think one, two, and three, if we look at it a calendar year now from Pete, it, you know, two and three could be in contention for one, where the one who is one currently maybe would be three. But it, it, it's an interesting piece to write now because it just shows the development and the growth of this roster and the wealth of talent that is currently in that rock, in that locker room of Berea. Right. So first and foremost, you know, the Broncos have a lot of good players, which is obviously where you want to be. And the top 10 would be, you know, a little over 20 percent of what would be your active game day roster of 46 guys. Um, But ultimately, this started as a way to sort of contextualize how good Gerald McCoy is, because there is a lot of confusion and disagreement over how good he is. Gerald McCoy, if he signs on the Browns, would absolutely be a top 10 player on this team. That's how good he is. Uh, And that is a big, big deal. So if you don't get him, it would definitely be a disappointment, and whoever does get him will get a big, big, big player. 
you know, you're, you're certainly, tr- you know, in, in a point in his career where it's trying to maintain as opposed to uh, improving and, and sort of ascending as, as many on the, the Browns roster are. But for the moment, he would be uh, in that group immediately uh that he is definitely that good I, I don't you know don't let anything tampa fool you he was surrounded by crap uh worn down too much and expected to be the focal point this past year uh and you know now he is you know trying trying to uh go vegan to reduce the swelling which he said has been successful uh in terms of his body uh and, and certainly more motivated i think the time in tampa and being just such a crappy uh, mediocre team war on him. They're uh, not getting the, any better. In the way that sort of Joe Batone <laughs> talked about losing wears on you and you know forgetting what it's like to win and all that stuff and 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 I think wherever McCoy has he's going to sort of you know get that hunger back and you know obviously there's a, a little bit of a you know prove the doubters wrong and and earn a you know what would still be a lucrative contract. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the other part of this is look the Browns have a lot of good players and their top ten players. Uh, have every single one of those you either has or could easily find themselves uh, winning some postseason accolades. Uh, and there's no question that all those guys, you know, are players that should be here, in my opinion, at least for the long haul, and are guys that I think put you closer to winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, it's a fun exercise, and I'm sure there's people that can disagree on on the order. But I have a really difficult time seeing anybody disagree with at least the ten guys that are on there. Uh, well, I, look, I mean, but this is the this is the joy of doing it now. Is I mean, even if you disagree, you're still talking about some really really good football players, as opposed to, well, I guess he's number ten because I can't come up with another competitive guy to put at ten. Um, and, you know, in Pete's piece, he had Odell 1. Uh, was it Baker 2, Miles 3, or, or flip-flopped? Miles 2, Baker 3. And this could easily, you know, a year from now, you could revisit, and, you know, it, Miles up top or Baker up top, the other one at 2, Odell at 3, or whatever the way it shakes it down. But this is, you know, and, you know, as much as we liked a lot of the roster during the 0-16 season, John Dorsey's line of, you know, we're going to get some guys. We're going to get some guys, some dudes who can play. Um you can't sell him short on that. Like we've given him some hard times on some things, and obviously, you guys, anybody who listens to the show knows where you know some of the issues that we have lie. But as far as you know, bringing in talent and bolstering this roster, and it's it, it, he's done a fantastic job with that. And there is a lot of meat to this. And even with McCoy, another thing would be is not being having to be the guy and more of a you know all right well i saw what you did on second and nine larry all right now it's my turn and you know it's the competitive juices of you know the guys around you and it's all right i saw you make your play all right and now i'm gonna go make mine and we talked about this this is you know larry and miles a lot of times early in the season last year they were kind of feeding off each other all right i saw you got yours don't worry i'm gonna go get mine and you know that mentality of a player never die it doesn't die with age and you know Gerald still has the ability um you know it, it you know yes there's been some injuries but if they were that bad after nine years and 114 million dollars Gerald McCoy would just take his ball and go home there's still the competitive in him and there's still the want to go out and you know erase some of that terrible 
taste in his mouth from his time in Tampa, good soldier the entire time he was there. But, yeah, he wants to go out and, you know, he wants to get involved in some games where he's walking out with W's and playoff games and hopefully all of that stuff that goes along with it. So, you know, it's – if it's a money thing and he chooses Baltimore because of money, that's what it is. But I, I, if it's me – and totally going totally neutral here. I don't know how you can look at the Baltimore Ravens situation, the Cleveland Browns situation, and saying, well, you know, if it's about winning or, you know, I want a taste of that, I don't know. Granted, Browns are unproven, but I don't know how you look at what's going on with the Ravens versus what's going on with the Cleveland Browns and say that's the better situation for you to ultimately get what you want. If it turns out, yeah, then by all means, Gerald, and if it does turn out that way, by all means, give us some lottery numbers because maybe you knew something I don't. But I don't see how what that situation is better than this one. Um, guys, there are some Jarvis Landry questions here. Guys are trying to get – guys, look, you, you know the deal. It, 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 to keep it simple was Jarvis Landry was a really nice player in Miami wasn't when he wasn't making a lot of money. Once Jarvis Landry is getting paid like a top five wide receiver and the numbers don't warrant it, then the value isn't there. It's, you know, it's paying $25,000 over sticket price for a nice economical car. You're paying a BMW price for something that gets the job done. And look, we're not, we're not going down this road anymore, guys. You know our, our feelings on this, and he'll be a nice part of this. But there are players they want to develop in Antonio Callaway, you know, Rashard Higgins. Obviously, everybody saw the highlight today. And why was I the only one, Pete, that brought up the fact that that was the touchdown from the Falcons game? Which one? The, the highlight today where Baker rolled right, hit Rashard in the back of the corner. Of the oh, yeah. I mean, well, that was the exact yeah, I mean, one. That, that uh, look, I mean, the, the, the clip of him throwing to Higgins is fantastic. You know, on a on a generic sort of, you know, I guess sort of make this more boring and clinical. Uh, that he, you know, Baker Mayfield rolls out and he's throwing to a spot. He's not throwing to a guy. He's throwing to a spot. Uh, you know that. You know, if you can't tell from that, that's the corner of the end zone. He's throwing it where his guy can get it and nobody else can. And Higgins goes and gets it. He goes and that's finds the it. rapport and, those two have. Yes, and and it looks great because it is great. That's a really difficult play to make and. And, you know, that's why you practice that type of stuff, because you aren't throwing to a man, you're throwing to a spot, and you're letting your guy go and make that play. You've seen uh, different variations of this, but certainly that that is the most notable example. Uh, I think, you know, the Antonio Callaway touchdown against the Bengals is a little bit of that, where he rolls to the left, and... Yep. And and Callaway rolls all the way to that a soft lob, a little soft lob yeah. to the back. But I mean, you know, in that situation, if you know, if that's incomplete, and you know, potentially, you know, let's say Higgins isn't even in the screen by the time that ball goes, he's still right. I mean, that's that's where you get rid of it. But you know, that's what makes Baker Mayfield special is he can do those types of things, put the ball right where it's supposed to be, and he has guys who can pay it off. And and. You know, this is, you know, why I think uh, training camp and that stuff is going to be fascinating because they do have guys who are good or better or at least no worse than Jarvis Landry. And they're going to have to sort of figure out where this looks like. And, you know, I look at this where based on what the team was doing at the end of the year and based on where I think these guys are going to go, and this is you know about Higgins and about Callaway, who could both theoretically still be ascending players, that 
Landry maybe have his role significantly reduced, and that, by that I mean he's gonna, you know, and and that may mean he's just a slot receiver, and that sounds really good, except when you have less than two receivers on the field, uh, or I'm sorry, less than three receivers on the field, and you don't have a slot receiver. In that sense, Landry's viability is substantially reduced. So, you know, it's a question of what are their base receivers going to look like? Is it going to be Odell Beckham and Higgins. Is it going to be Odell Beckham and Antonio Callaway? Or are they going to insist on still having Landry out there? And maybe he, you know, proves in camp and those other things to be better. But the trends don't say that. And the trends, you know, through four, five years of his career, four of them are the same year. And they're all mediocre and they're all underwhelming and they're all the same. There's one great, great, great year. And that's 2016. Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen again, especially when you have Odell Beckham in the in, in, in the lineup. He may put up more efficient numbers, and maybe they're approaching that level of efficiency where every other year he's you know at seven yards per target or under. And then that 2016 year, he's at 8.7. That would be great. Uh, but the thing is, that's not going to come with a thousand yards. It's going to come with like 600 yards. And you know Beckham's going to be closer to like you know, 1,300 yards or maybe more than that. Those other guys are going to get passes. So that's where this thing's going to, you know, we're going to have to see where this goes. And then if that's the case, you then have to ask the natural question, what is that worth? And if you come to the answer of $14 million, I'm going to laugh at you because that's yes. not worth it, especially when in the case of we look at this and, and people are like, you know, I got a tweet talking about, well, look at Landry's stats in December. Okay, and then I compare them to Brashard Perryman, not on this team anymore, and Richard Higgins, not on the, or, you know, you know, on that minimum rookie deal, they're both making fourteen times less than Landry, and their efficiency is better, and the only real difference is targets. So, in other words, based on that, if you just threw the ball at Brashard Perryman more, which you should have done anyway, or Richard still Higgins, can't still can't believe we're saying that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, based on based on those numbers, and certainly it's a little bit different, you know, when you're in the thick of it trying to win games as opposed to, you know, just looking at numbers. It's very hard to call plays live in a game based on fan numbers. But uh, that that becomes really difficult to defend and rationalize, especially when we're talking about the salary cap earlier and what you know if they do get Gerald McCoy and all those things, and and if they want to you know keep Treader, if they want to keep Schobert, if they want to keep Randall, that. That's where those decisions have to be made, and whether it's coming in the form of restructuring or you know ultimately moving on from players. That's where that becomes a factor, and where those things actually do matter. Well, and the thing with, I mean, if you were going to look at it this way, you know, would you rather have Landry, or you could conceivably have Perriman, Callaway, and Higgins, and probably another guy for what you're paying Jarvis Landry. And you're going to have to get creative here somewhere with the money. You can't pay two wide receivers $15 million a year. It, it, it just doesn't make sense because you're going to have gaping holes at other positions. And and that's the thing with that. And look, you know, Callaway, after what he did last year, you can't think – you'd be a fool to think he's not going to get a bigger piece of the pie. David Njoku going into year three, you do not believe he is not going to get a bigger piece of the pie. Rashard Higgins – who just seems to have this compatibility and can kind of read Baker's mind. And look, you know, 
there's times where just players sync together, and that's what Rashard Higgins does with Baker Mayfield. He's not the most athletic, and it's not that he's that much better than a bunch of other guys, but you cannot, when two guys sync like that, it's something you don't want to disrupt. And then you're talking about, you know, wide receiver four or five, whatever, but you count in Joku, Kareem Hunt could be here for the eight games and maybe the year afterwards. There's still a, a lot of mouths to feed, and maybe you don't, you've already got your your big baby, so to speak, and the rest of the little babies, and you find a way to get them all involved. It's it's going to be fascinating, but and for the time being, yeah, I mean, he could be limited. I mean, you could see more of a, you know, maybe not 60, 600, whatever, maybe 70, 700, and there will be times where if he's in the slot, he's probably going to feast because you're going to have to put your attention first, A, to Odell, B, to whatever running back is in the backfield, uh, probably C to Ninjoku, to David Njoku. Um, if Callaway's out there, he can pretty much beat anybody deep. Um, it, it could behoove Jarvis Landry and the fact that, you know, through the slot he can probably get open a lot. But part of that, though, is when Jarvis was getting these monster stats, a lot of it were in where the Dolphins were losing games by two touchdowns. And, yeah, Jarvis Landry, 11 catches, 110 yards. Well, that's fantastic. But do you want to win at the end of the day. So it's – we've done this at nauseum. Ad nauseum. Um, so we're going to get to this here from Grip Six Belts, and then obviously we'll take some listener questions, guys. Uh, today's show, uh, partially sponsored by the Grip, uh, folks over at Grip Six, where their goal is literally to make the best belt ever made. Grip Six is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even now moms and wives, aunts, um, as they have now added women's collection. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip Six is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip Six is a special offer for you at gripsix.com slash lock. L-O-C-K-E. Makes a nice Father's Day gift, guys. Do not show up and empty-handed Father's Day. Now, Pete, as we get to this here, um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, on the Twitter talk of the day is always wide receiver. Seems to find its way there. Six is normally the norm, correct? So, who are these six wide receivers of what is in this room? And here's the other thing. As much as everybody always says, oh, well, they brought in Jarvis. How many wide receivers have they brought in post-Jarvis Landry acquisition? And it's been a ton of them. Pete, uh, the it's five or six. You know, Maybe you don't always dress six on game day, but who are the wide receivers that make this roster? Uh, right now it's Beckham, Landry, uh, Higgins, uh, Callaway. Um, and then it comes down to a competition between a million other guys. Uh, but I, but right now, the three I'm most interested in, uh, because they could theoretically fill the Rashad Perryman role slash help on special teams as a gunner, are uh, Damian Ratley, uh, Derek Willies, and then Dorian Baker, the undrafted free agent uh, from from Kentucky that's a Cleveland Heights kid. Um, those are the three, and I don't know if they'll keep six, but those are the, the three guys that stand out to me uh, because realistically the Browns are a four-receiver offense, They and, and they have tight ends. Uh, and theoretically, if Duke Johnson's still here, he should be the fifth receiver. Uh, but, you know, you, you do need to have gunners on special teams, and I think those three guys uh, are the most likely to make it for that reason. They're bigger 
they're faster, and they can get down the field. And some of them have already been doing this. Obviously, Ratley's a guy who's been working on being a gunner. I think Derek Willies has been a guy who's been working on being a gunner. So that matters. So maybe there's somebody else who could theoretically come in at some point and also help with that. That might be competition in the way that uh, what's-his-face was last year who broke his shoulder almost immediately. Uh, uh, that... But that's the, that would be what I'd look for. Big, fast receivers, and those three stand out to me as the, as the big three in that regard. Yeah, obviously the first four is set. Um, everybody knows my feelings. I'm a Damian Ratley guy. Uh, maybe he needed one year within the league. Um, you know, uh, Obviously, you know, I had a nice OTA practice the one week. He's he's what you're looking for. and you know, I think it fits well because... You know, and a, a bunch of you guys keep telling us you need those bigger bodies once you get around the red zone. Uh, it's never hampered Odell, who's only about six feet tall. Um, but yes, and having special teams, and Damian Ratley paid a ton of them last year. They seem to like Willie's last year. We'll see how that works out this year. Uh, you know, Dorian Baker's a name you had mentioned, but look, there's always that you know mystery box. Somebody ends up getting released and. You know, uh, it, it wouldn't be a bad place if you were a wide receiver to say, oh, I'll go play in Cleveland for one year at league minimum, and I'll go run routes for Baker Mayfield. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah that, that, that's, that's the mystery. That yeah. is the thing, that if somebody, you know, if there is a, you know, I don't even know if this is really a thing so much anymore, the way contracts are structured, but the post-June 1, you know, uh, salary dump, uh, a player that that may try to want to sign somewhere to sort of reestablish value in the way that Brashad Perryman did. You know, the Browns become a really nice avenue for that thing. Now, it's difficult for the same reason that Brashad Perryman ultimately decided to go elsewhere, but that is certainly an option and a way for them to sort of upgrade the position. It, it, you can never rule it out. And, and the other thing is, is if you can run a route and when the ball is thrown to you, uh, you catch it. It doesn't matter what your name is. You have a chance of succeeding with Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I do want to thank, uh, that was uh, Paul's in for that question, so thank you for that, Paul. Um, Justin Doombard, I don't know if I'm not reading this right, but would you bet on Chubb's 16-game performance or Hunt's 9-game performance? Who has the better stats by end? Chubb's going to have the better stats. I'm not sure if he meant to say this, you know, when it comes back, is it going to be truly a 50-50 type of thing, which I can understand, and, you know, obviously, Kareem is only going to be eight games, but as long as everything goes well with Kareem, and there's no issues, and he's 100% healthy, Kareem Hunt is going to have the advantage of walking into a cupcake second half here, Pete, and it's all about how they choose it, and I don't think it's going to be so much of riding the hot hand, I think they're both going to get their touches, but... Kareem, 100% fresh against what should be some really, really easy, easy opponents. He, I would say maybe yards per carry, uh, obviously maybe a bigger, you know, uh, you know, yards per reception, things of that nature. He should come in and be a really, really nice piece come week nine. So there's a couple questions with this in terms of how it may play out. And, and obviously right now, uh, Kareem Hunt is going to be here for training camp in the preseason. Uh, what's unclear is, you know... Are they going to grant that waiver of letting him stick around? And if he is allowed to stick around, is he going to be allowed to practice? And the reason that will matter is that 
if if he is you know basically not allowed to hit any you know get hit for eight weeks, he's going to sort of have to reestablish you know getting used to contact, and obviously have a couple weeks uh, you know right before. He and this is not even just this year. I mean, he got cut early December last year, so I mean, as as a chief, he missed what six games if you count all the playoffs involved. So my early thought is that. Kareem Hunt is going to get more touches than Nick Chubb in the first couple games out of the suspension because he needs to take hits and get, you know, accustomed to it again. Uh, You know, that may be the one possible exception is I don't know if they're going to mess around with it coming out of the bye week into New England. But after that, uh, you know, there may be a couple game stretch where Kareem Hunt gets more touches. People go, oh, my God, he's the starter, when in reality they just need to get him acclimated. At the same time, giving Chubb a, a little bit of a breather in terms of letting him get back. And then it becomes, you know, hot hand slash 50-50 slash, you know, whatever is gonna, the, the best for winning a game or the, the next week or the next month or whatever. Well, and things I'm looking forward to in, you know, Freddie with his creativity and obviously that he loves to use basically everybody at hand in the running back position is, just fun things you can do where you know you have them both on this field at the same time and you know you line them both up in the backfield one splits I mean there's just there's some fun things you can do with, with the two of those guys and you know if Nick ascends to the receiver that we started to see him put together as the season went on I mean you know I mean you could have you run split backs out of the shotgun and you can run a screen to either side to either one of them there's a lot of fun you can do with the talent of these two guys and that that's interesting, and that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't know if I can say it yet, but so I'll protect him. But uh, Jeffrey Vicara, a congratulations. We'll just leave it at that. Um, is Sheldrick Redwine being adapted to strong safety smoothly, or is the idea to rotate him with Demarius? And who is going to be the guy to replace Jabril? On Jabril, I, I, my thing is I'm not sure if they're looking for that truly. Jabril Peppers, where a number one, he was he was hard to replace. What you saw when Jabril was hot last year, he was able to do stuff by the line of scrimmage and do stuff back. And also, part of it is though, Pete is it's going to be a different realm where maybe you're going to want more coverage safeties. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah talked about the fact that maybe he could be more of a you know a guy who creeps closer to the line of scrimmage in nickel and dime situations, or maybe even line him up there where you give him back at back responsibility or tight end responsibility. It's going to be interesting, and you know I think they're going to slowly put stuff on a Sheldrick Redwine's plate. And the more he does, maybe the more responsibility they'll give him to see where they're at. But either way, you know you're going to add safeties going further. Um, Randall right now looks like his money may be too rich for them to entertain. Eric Murray, we're not really sure where they're at with that. And obviously with you know Morgan Burnett, you know you kind of understand this might be a one-year role type of thing. But it'll be interesting where, if and where Redwine flashes this year because it will dictate what they're looking for to complement him at the safety position going further. So every indication I've seen so far is the shutter Redwine is is going to be Demarius Randall's backup slash strong safety in, uh, in terms of coverage responsibility. So in terms of the Jabril Peppers part of this, they're going to divide – the Jabril Peppers position into multiple people. Uh, first, that shows you how good Jabril Peppers was uh, in that defense, that they're going to now change it up to 
multiple people, but it also just lends itself to more specialization in terms of uh, they're going to have uh, Morgan Burnett be more of a run defender slash hard-nosed tough guy. Maybe he can play some tight ends uh, a little bit. Basically, he's Derek Kendrick with a little bit more coverage ability. And then when you get into, theoretically, you're going to get into obvious passing downs, Morgan Burnett is going to come off the field and Sheldrick Redwine or whomever they decide that guy is, if it's Eric Murray. Uh, and then you've got the mystery man of, you know, Jermaine Whitehead and how far this goes uh, with him. That, you know, that is now going to be a new package. You get another coverage guy on there and you're calling him a strong safety. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine, for his part, is a really good slot cover guy. Uh, so he could do that. He can man up in that respect, and strong safety in a traditional cover three has a lot of man responsibility. Or you can play cover two or quarters and have him play deep zone, divide the field in half, uh, and have a lot of a lot more speed and a lot more range. Which are, you know, those are certainly red red wine strengths. Uh, and then obviously, if you know, if they need somebody to come in, uh, you know, for Randall for an injury or something, then Redwine is more than likely going to be the next man up in that standpoint. The other, I suppose, X factor, and I don't think it's going to come to this short of an injury situation, is TJ Carey theoretically could play strong safety, but again, it's not how you think of strong safety. It's basically putting a cornerback there and saying, go cover guys, and you know, obviously Carey can, can, can play a physical style that he can press up, he can jam, he can do all those things. So that's really the answer is that Jabril Peppers is going to go from one person to, you know, right now it's between about six people uh, that could all factor into how that position is manned. But I think even in the perfect way that that job is going to be two people unless they stumble into an absolute star that cannot come off the field because he's just too damn good. With Redwine, you know, being a fourth-round pick, you're going to have to figure it somewhere along the lines of Antonio Callaway where it's, you know, if you get weeks where he's able to contribute and strongly, that's great, and there could be some weeks where he's non-existent, and then you figure out, you know, whether or not he can man one of those spots. But, you know, you know who knows? Wilkes could move on to another head coaching position if this defense hits the way it's possible of, of hitting and the team succeeds like a lot of people are anticipating. There's a lot to that. Um, we've exhausted the listener questions here. Pete, uh, league-wise, Brown-wise, anything we got to get to? Anything we might have missed? Uh, not really. I mean, Chris Harris signed his deal with the Broncos. He's going to be there for another year and then leave. A much ado uh, about nothing. That, that just seemed like it was just – I mean, it's so hard for a cornerback of his stature and the money he's going to command to come open at this point for somebody to jump into it. There's a weird amount of patting John Elway on the back for this. Um, <laughs> I mean, cool. Uh, like he hasn't know, he, been in the building for years. 
<laughs> yeah, like he, you know, he didn't screw over one of the team's most talented players. Okay, I mean, good job. Your quarterbacks are still awful, but you got this one kind of right. Um, yeah, I mean, the Broncos are bad. He's a really good player. He's there for another year, and then he's going to peace out uh, to somewhere else. New England and go, you know, the McCordys will move on and he'll get all the McCordy money that there is in New England, something of that nature. It's usually the way these things work out. Um, guys, this is it. You know, obviously with McCoy, this you know, we're still in the, you know, seeing and waiting approach. Um, and I will continue to say this. This roster right now is crazy good. You bring in Gerald McCoy, you go from crazy good to straight jacket, crazy good, which is great. But look, uh, you know, most of the work is done here, and if you have to go to camp with basically most of this roster in tow, it's not a terrible thing. It's not. Would Gerald McCoy just raise the expectations and raise the excitement level? There's Yes, there's no question about it, because now with Vernon and with Richardson and with McCoy, you've added a significant amount to this defense just like you did with the presence of Odell Beckham on offense. So just be patient. Let it play out. There's, uh, first off, you have no other choice, but B, it's just the way to go here. And let's not bash Gerald McCoy if it ends up going not in the Browns' favor. It's, you know, he, this guy's got, after nine years, he's got one shot at this in his career. And if he chose and you know, made a decision, even if we disagree with it, let the guy still a hell of a football player. Just pray it's not the Ravens. You have to see him twice a year because the guy can play. Uh, Pete, what's in the hopper over at, Ma- at Browns Maven? Uh, you know, there's an article I've basically been trying to get done since Memorial Day that could be, you know, could be up tomorrow. That would be basically looking back at some of the players that left this past year. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's going to be following the McCoy madness so far as it can, you know, further the story. Uh, you know, the expectations are up, as they should be. Uh, he is great, uh, and if you can get him, he makes you that much better. Uh, I still don't think the Ravens are the main threat in this conversation, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, the, the bottom line is everything that with logic uh, and rational thought would say the Browns have a better case than the Ravens. Unfortunately, you know this is not a process that uh, necessarily you know follows that. And obviously, they could theoretically offer more money, and that changes things. But just in terms of if you're trying to say who has the better case to make to Gerald McCoy, assuming money is equal, uh, you know the Browns are a better argument. So if he ultimately goes to the Ravens in that scenario, all you can say is. You hope the Browns made their best pitch. They, you know, and if, if it didn't work, so be it. But it wasn't because you know they didn't have enough. It wasn't because they are a bad place or anything. You know, all the inferiority complex stuff. Uh, you know, it just happened to be that for whatever reason, you know, from a emotional or sentimental or whatever draw. He ultimately opted to go to the Ravens. Again, I don't think that's the team that I'm worried about. I'm more worried about the Saints because he has a relationship with Drew Brees, and he'd allow him to potentially compete for a Super Bowl and stick it to the uh, Buccaneers twice, yep. uh, who you know not only released him but replaced him with the guy that he was drafted after in, in Dominican Sue, and basically are trying to say this is a win. Uh, that Which is, is the cute. team I'm worried about. So we'll see. 
Well, look, if you're looking for the, if on paper, the best opportunity win would be the New Orleans Saints. And then even if he, he could take less money with New Orleans than he would with Cleveland. And there's that. If he wants to just go out and secure the bag, so to speak, get the Colts on the phone because they have it, and they have it in spades. Uh, but, yes, I, I am still with the, if it's Cleveland or Baltimore, the better situation. And, look, if Cleveland's got a bottom line with the money, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. I, you know, and this is part of what we talked about. Now that you're a better team, you don't have to spend willy-nilly. And if you're in a certain point with it, and then, and the other thing that Cleveland does offer him, where it may be a little bit less money, is you're not going to be kept, counted on to play 90 to 95 percent of the reps. We have other guys, and that that could buy him more long money in the long run if he chooses to continue to play, because it can buy him longevity into his career, Pete. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, my my prediction that's guaranteed to go wrong here is that the decision ultimately comes down to which of the two quarterbacks who he knows very well does he does he want to bet on? Does he want to bet on Drew Brees? He trains with him in the offseason every year, obviously knows him, and then Baker Mayfield, who he knows from Oklahoma, being a super fan. Obviously, they're both legends. They know each other from that standpoint. I don't know how well he knows on Lamar Jackson, and I can't imagine he thinks he's anywhere close to the other two, and I don't know how well he knows Andrew Luck uh, and how you know that would be a factor. But my bet is on relationship with the quarterback slash their respective situation is where the deal is going to be made on this. And here's the one thing to look out for, guys. And the one thing to look out for is if you hear tomorrow... There's a mystery team in on Gerald McCoy. If that's the case, that's where you get nervous because usually mystery team means we're chasing the money, Pete. Well, I mean, there's a couple things. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if they'll go that route. I mean, it's certainly possible. The specter of you know somebody offering a stupid amount of money, Oakland, uh, that. Oh, good God! Know, well, dude, they signed Incognito. They're fine, Pete. <laughs> That is a bad situation that makes a lot of people look bad in the NFL. I have We're to imagine- looking for good players, and then all of a sudden, man, today we don't need we don't necessarily need a bunch of Boy Scouts. I, I what are you doing? Hope, what are you doing? I would hope the NFL league office is pissed. Uh, incognito literally threatened to kill a bunch of people not that long ago. Let's keep that in mind. But anyway, so you know, when it comes to Gerald McCoy, the you know the Colts the Saints, the Ravens, and if there's another team that comes in there, and I don't know how, you know, I, I haven't done enough looking into it, the, the team that has stated interest and, you know, could be a fascinating situation for him is New England Patriots. And that's another one where I don't know how well he knows Tom Brady or any of that stuff. But again, I'm betting on relationship with quarterbacks. That, uh, my, my thought is he's ulti- he wants to compete, he wants to get paid, I think, the first two are going to be established regardless of where he goes. And then the thing that will sway him is that that knowing the quarterbacks and being, you know, being basically, you know, being convinced to bet on what one of those friends, whoever, you know, however many he knows, that that's what's going to come down to. Now, when he signs with the Ravens, I'll be dead wrong, but that's the theory I'm going with. Uh, well, and if it's the Ravens, you know, you're going to have to play a lot because it's, you know, I mean, well, who knows? I just... Uh, you know, hopefully if, you know. The dynamic with the Ravens is weird with that defensive line, too. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what the pitch is being made there, but you're looking at a situation where you've got 
Michael Pierce, you've got Brandon Williams, where technically the starter is a defensive tackle at this wall. And then, are, you know, is Gerald McCoy basically being sold on the idea that he's going to be sort of like the rotational guy who ends up playing way too many snaps and that type of thing? But he doesn't really fit what the Ravens do. I, I saw the argument. I wrote about the argument they were trying to make. But, like, I don't think that's really what they do. They aren't a team that shoots gaps, and that's really what he does. Uh, so that's the other part of this with the Ravens. I My theory with the Ravens is allegedly he has friends with the Ravens, uh, and I don't doubt that. And I feel like a lot of this is sort of doing them a solid and giving them a you know their, their opportunity, but I ultimately think that's as far as it goes, uh, that he's sort of doing what he said he would do, which is giving them an opportunity to you know, make their pitch and, and do right by them. And, and at the same time, sort of allowing the Browns to sort of think about usually if they don't want to offer a little bit more money, uh, but that that still becomes the, the decision. I, you know, I, if I, if you, if you had to put it on me right now, I would say he's going to sign with the Browns, but you know, we shall see if something weird comes up and, and changes the equation. But considering the fact that the, you know, and obviously, you know, maybe all the visits have been determined already and, you know, it's just a matter of when he decides to make them public. But if it is, in fact, a situation where he's sort of trotting them out as he sort of feels like it, and it's not really sure when his business are going to stop, that would all that would lead me to believe that it's Cleveland, uh, sort of in the driver's seat, and that all these other teams are trying to basically convince him not to sign with Cleveland, <laughs> which is just crazy, you know, on its face to even think about. Uh, guys, Pete Smith at, over at Browns Maven, uh, he's been killing it over there. Um, it's allowed Pete to do shorter pieces. It's allowed him to do some video stuff, some audio stuff. And it's just, you know, enhanced the way he's able to, you know, cover this team and cover some league news and, you know, obviously with the McCoy thing in relevance to this team. So make sure you're checking that out. want to thank Hotels.com. want to ch- thank Untucket. want to thank Grip6. Um, make sure you guys are checking out the Himalaya app. If you're looking for something new for your podcast format, go ahead and check out the folks over at Himalaya. Go to Google Play. Go to your iTunes. You know, go to your uh, iTunes. You know, App Store. Get it over there, um, guys. Phenomenal day here. Uh, sorry, we had to take a couple of days off, but it's great to see that everybody's coming back. Great numbers today. Obviously, on the show we put out yesterday, as Pete said, the McCoy watch continues to go on. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.